You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. I remember there was a day, it's so funny, and it's just stupid because and Dustin would, Dustin tells me a story about how he thought of Facebook before Facebook, which is so funny. Like, but I'm sure that there's probably thousands of people that did, right? Um, I thought of the same thing. I was like gun ho and thought for sure that I had it because I was like telling my friends, I need to find a way to sublet rooms in my house. And I was on tour. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm bleeding rent. I'm bleeding all this. Like there are people in this country or in this, in my city that just want to crash for a couple of nights. How do I do this? I'm like, Oh wait, I'll just build an app. We'll say that I have these rooms open. And then what happened? Like six months later, Airbnb went through the roof. And I just, I mean, at the time it was already being built, of course. I mean, but somebody had sent me an article and they're like, look at this. And like Jared Leto was investing to it. And it's like, shit. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you just, if you have a good idea, odds are it's probably, it's probably a good idea uh, if you've got half a brain to make things happen, but you, you have to just go down the path of like second guessing every single thing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin here, as always, with Corey Peza and Benny Goodman. And we are back for part two with my bandmate, my dear friend, Ron DeChant, getting a little deeper. This is actually our fourth episode with him, so definitely check out part three or part one, however we categorize it. <laughs> yeah, no, and this is this one's cool because, you know, last uh, part one of this series of episodes, we really got into the current, like, star set tour and, and like, uh, you know, what's going on there. But this time in this episode here, we're able to dive deeper and pull more of that knowledge out of his brain and take advantage of, you know, his experience in marketing business and all that. So there's a lot to learn in here, regardless of your background, I think. I got, I got to say, if you're in a band and you want to watch and learn about marketing and just how to do DIY at a large scale, like Ron is a must watch. He's a must listen to just all of his episodes, because this guy has like, he's the dude that figures it out. And good for him, because that's how they've gotten where they are now. Yeah, a lot of practical information for bands, musicians, artists, even if you're not in the artistic world. So definitely stay tuned. Pay attention. This is the mass Masterclass Part 2 with Ron DeChant. Like and subscribe, 2020-D.com. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Benny Goodman. I'm here with my friends, Corey and Siobhan, and you're listening to 2020. I'm very excited because we're here with Ron from Starset, who's so much more than just a member of Starset, which you're about to hear for yourself because we're about to go off the rails, my favorite way. And I'm going to start with a very profound question that only Ron, I feel like, can answer properly. So... I love Ramstein. I love Ramstein very much. <laughs> du Host yeah. is a is is a very profound song in my childhood. Spiel mit mir. But Same. I hadn't seen Ramstein since they got arrested in at the Palladium in Worcester for the dude pulling on a giant dildo and peeing all over the crowd. That's um, right. 
that, that I was there. I, I was there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're going back to the Ramstein thing. And guys, if you haven't seen that episode, go back and watch Ron's previous episodes. They're stellar. But uh, they came back and they were playing stadiums with giant fire columns and the craziest stuff ever. And I, I thought to myself, this is both badass. And how the fuck did that happen? Because I didn't think that Ramstein was were that big. How does a band like Ramstein tour with these U2 like columns of fire and they have like no hits in English and then they can go play stadiums? Like, is that a thing? Is it Ramstein like, or Ramstein? I think it's Ramstein. It's Ramstein. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Moog, that Moog. in itself is a, that is a nuance in how big they are because there's different ways to pronounce them. <laughs> or at least that's just how certain people pronounce it. But yeah, I think Ramstein is right. What was the question, Benny? Well, how, how do they do it? that? How do they go from like just being a band that played 2000 seaters to all of a sudden I saw tickets available and they have like the U2 backdrop of like just create like Bono approves of how, how big this production uh, is. You might be able to help me answer this question. How long? When was the arrest? When, when did that happen? What year was that? 2001. And they didn't tour the States until when? I don't know. Oh. Did they not tour when for years? Come, when did they come back? Or did they have an exodus at some point? I don't know. I stopped caring. But I don't remember them oh, being around. Okay. I, I Maybe feel they like didn't tour. I mean, I remember in... Man, I think it was early college. I remember... Well, no. It, it, there was a time when Duhas was huge. And then I remember there being like kind of a resurgence of it. And it might have been my early years of college. I remember hearing it again. But I... Like you didn't really pay much attention and all of a sudden it's this giant stadium show i i could be wrong and i would just i'm just guessing someone's going to definitely correct this in the comments or at least someone who really knows the band but uh i assume there was probably some time away a, a serious amount of time away and a very strategic branding opportunity to make that band all i mean it's already massive their production has already been worshipped by like everyone around the world uh, especially by crews and people that know what it takes to put that kind of level of production on. I would just assume by that exodus and that building that momentum and demand that when they came out with this full bore, um, how could you not be selling out arenas and stadiums and, and having this epic display? Do you ever have a meeting with Dustin where you go, maybe you should light yourself on fire? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've almost done that accidentally. So for those that don't know, the lead singer Ramstein lights himself on fucking fire. Like that's a thing. He's been doing it for a while. Like actually lights himself on fucking fire. You can't fake that. Yeah. Not that it's more intense than that, but he also like used to put a hole in his cheek and put a wire into his mouth with a light. So when he sang, his mouth would light up. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. I do remember that. Like that. So they next level stuff. They have a, um, they, again, they're just, they've been knighted like the holy shit of productions. And how do you do that? And, and I think I bet this is another, I'm just totally guessing, but if, and I, I don't know if the singer's well fluent in English probably is. Um, if I bet if you were to sit him and Dustin down that they would be somewhat kindred spirits and the level of like understanding how to do certain production, the way that he does it, uh, the Rammstein singer and I assume the bandmates and people around them that share that uh, interest in like making that show next level I bet you it's very similar to the way what Dustin would want to do as long as he had the means and capital and and people to fill those seats um, it, it just you don't see that kind of production come from just some 
specific person behind the scenes behind a big thing that has to that was that singer and that band has to share that passion to make it that big on the um the topic of that like if anyone hasn't seen their current um production setup for the for the, the stadiums they're playing it is insane it takes days to set up it's tr- multiple multiple trucks like like several like a dozen trucks and it's just it the it's just incredible it's a whole experience with flames and all this stuff they like sent out you a, look- a disclaimer do you know that like i got a disclaimer from live nation i'd even go and said if you're going to be in foxborough tonight there's going to be a yeah. pyrotechnic like they actually <laughs> let the whole fucking town know hey yeah. if you hear explosions it's not nuclear holocaust it's rammstein so from looking <laughs> looking at that you know the i know a huge thing with with a lot of bands you know obviously from very young bands and starting out to like very you know like the middle of the road bands to like bands that are doing extremely well your production cost is always you know the the balance you got to find with you know the room you're in the seats you're selling all that stuff can yeah. you give like some sort of perspective obviously you know star set star set show if you go to see it you think wow it can't get any bigger than this and then you see the the Romstein thing from yeah. your perspective as someone who deals with the behind the scenes thing what kind of calculations do you have to or like you know projections you have to come up with to know that that insane level of production that all that crew all that stuff is going to be financially reasonable to do well in our calculations everything has to be red (laughs) (laughs) so there's no like throw the calculator away and no i mean and it's funny because that's truly the case like there's never been I think I've mentioned a little bit this the last time, but there's never been a tour where we weren't like, all right, we're not rolling the dice because it's a little bit more calculated, but we are going to spend way more, way more than what is being actually brought our way from a guarantee or whatever that might be in terms of what the promoter or team of whoever's put us in these rooms is going to pay us. Why? Because we need to make sure that that show is the best thing that's ever been put in that room. Um, and I'm not saying that, and that's not an ego thing. That's like, that is the, that's the strategy. Like put the best show on you possibly can in that room. Make sure the people that see that show, I don't care if it's 500 or 2000 or 4,000, whatever it is, those people need to tell their friends they need to come back. And then the next time we're back, we're either in that room at full capacity or we're at a much bigger place. Um, and that's the goal. Every single place we are, no matter what market in the world. So when you're building that calculation at this current time in this project i think it still remains that we just pour money into the budget and and hope (laughs) no but it makes sense because it's it's a perspective thing too it has to do with branding and you know this is something that my mom used to always tell me when i was growing up you know it's like dress for the job that you want not the one that you have and when i ever invite friends or even her work associates they come and they go out saying like starsa is an arena band like you have to see it and it's like even if we're not headlining the arena the idea is that the perspective is that that's the size of the venue it should be in. It's you know, nice so- to hear that from people that, especially, okay, for the, the ones that really get it, right? Um, the union hands, the people that are in these venues day in, day out, they're loading bands in and loading bands out and setting up their, you know, working alongside their crews. And for the early days of this band, as I always say, and this is, again, going back to knowing you're human and making mistakes, we were pushing everything to the absolute limit and making not the greatest decisions and in really just killing local crews and our own crew. And it was tough. Um, but that was trial by fire to get to another point, to push us into something that we could really manage. Um, 
and it was all lessons learned. But what I mean by that is those local crews are used to seeing a certain level of production in these rooms. And then they see us and they're like, holy shit, like, wow, they really did need the amount of hands they asked for. And that's the craziest thing we've set up in here. And we've never seen it like that. And people say that to us. And that's the only time I'll ever say, be like, yeah, that feels good that, okay, we did put on a pretty crazy arena level type production inside this small capacity room. Hopefully that really drove home the point that this band can get to that next level. Um, but yeah, Corey, to your point, um, it's a delicate, uh, deficit budget management. It, it truly is like you, you have to, you have to basically bank on nothing going wrong and the money coming in from all the different profit centers to offset your massive production deficit, at least until a certain point, it'll get great at some point. I imagine if we can grow enough where the production is paid for on the, just that specific profit center, but it's, um, that's just not the name of the game. You reinvest this thing until you're big enough. At, at least that's our mentality. So. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's that you're thinking like an economist, you know, you have to consider all the sort of, you know, non-current monetary benefits from the investment you're making. You right. know, how is it going right. to be amplified in the future? You know, it's kind of right. like putting it in the bank and hoping but that you it guys, comes back later. You guys are going and talking to like the ground level of the people that are, are, you know, I can't even imagine the return on investment as far as per ticket for you guys, because your fans love you. You sell merchandise. Your merchandise is awesome. People want to know more about you. So uh, you got to be, you, you guys are finding the people that are creating the, these possibilities for you. And I think that that's incredible that you guys are so passionate about continuing to, to, to use momentum in your favor because you're just kind of continuing to, to burn away until you've gone through the stratosphere and then you're in space and like, who cares about fuel? <laughs> it's about getting home, but at least we're fucking through, uh, through the stratosphere. We're that, not going to burn up. That come up a lot on this tour and I, I don't think we'll ever, I personally will say I'm never going to volunteer to go to space unless it's like, We've sent so many rockets up with people coming back safely. But, I mean, that's just the space. Are you guys going to have the first concert in the moon or something like that? Oh, God. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Jeff uh, Bezos is a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dustin had some friends at SpaceX at one point. We should have had a better interaction with Elon at some point. But he's you know, he's managing that bird company now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's got other things going on. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't I mean, want to go to space. Like you, but what you were saying though is like truly, yes, the passion is. It's not about uh, the success of getting that room packed. It's a. It's about being able to put on the best show for whoever it is that is going to be interested in seeing you. And if that means that fan base grows, of course that's a core goal to it. But we just like it. Oh, it's it's like heartbreaking if if a show goes down. It destroys markets for us if we have a failure or something like that. Minus a couple. We've had a couple show failures in which we've talked to people on this tour and they're like, we saw you play three songs and everything blew up and you guys were like the best show that night. I'm like, I don't know how that was possible. But, we were uh, talking thank, about this last night. Thank yeah. you so much for coming back, but uh, that's wild. Maybe we should intentionally blow our computer up every couple shows and see if it comes see if the market explodes <laughs> but, uh, yeah um, well what if what if you did actually play a concert in space like how do you get around <laughs> the fact that you can't hear anything 
I don't know. I wouldn't be there, Benny. I'd be a virtual person. I'd be here on my couch. It'd be holograms, yeah. Yes, yes. That's yeah, when we get. We truly it. get the hologram in space thing. I, I don't, <laughs> someone else is going to need to figure that out. I totally am voting myself off that island. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned uh, in the early days, you, you, you said, you know, we're, you're pushing yourself basically to the absolute limit, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how you can get to this, this next level, this next level, this next level. Um, pushing ourselves and our people most specifically. People. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the collective that is the star set you know, mm-hmm. team there. Uh, so right now, do you, do you have that same mentality or is that a thing, something that gets more and more focused as you, you know, go throughout the career and the trajectory? I the think band? it gets refined. Refined. Yeah. I think that we've been able to find a way to not get, not, approach full burnout on most pieces of this business. Thankfully, myself included, um, you it gets refined. There's, there's ways that, um, I mean, actually it, I, again, I apply this to any business. If you, have, if you have like equitable owners and you have people at a certain level that are management, and then you have the like, a much bigger worker base, um, all that comes in time, but like that top tier of people that are like, in this in this situation, it's just like Dustin, myself, and the, and everyone in the band, and then like the crew that's been with us for at least the last couple albums, or, or well, I'm sorry, last couple of cycles. Um, you have to learn how to work with all those personalities. That's a refinement in itself. It's really difficult day one, especially with the I, I always use the word nuance. The nuances of of a, a head creative a really like high speed and chaotic manager running many different things. And then all of these players trying to play this more complicated thing in a complicated show with a crew that is not really used to putting on this complicated show while having all different personalities, you have to take time to refine that. So I think it, uh, time has just really helped us and COVID may have actually helped a little bit, refine it more. Um, do I think that we could approach full burnout again? If there's another like catalyst that pushes us into a whole different level of production and rooms and just a need to create quicker. Um, oh yeah. I've seen it happen at my old job and it was a big company and it went into a massive company and it, God, the growing pains were insane. Um, but, uh, high risk, high reward just you just make it happen um and you try not to piss anybody off on the way piss anybody off in a way that's like uh, don't quit uh we'll try to take care of you we have more pay- capability to take care of people now so i feel really good about that but man that's, that's some tough years does does dustin ever wake up in the middle of the night and like wake you up with like a whole suitcase full of filled with money and go the, the nearest casino is like 25 <laughs> minutes away <laughs> Let's go put it all on red. We want to be in the red, right? Like it's figurative and like puts like $30,000. Here's our next production. Let's see if we can do it. No, I guess is is this a metaphor or is it truly a question about, I don't know. I'm wondering because that's a great way to get a lot more money. If it worked. I win at casinos. casinos. Yeah. I don't know why I, I, I'm not a, I don't, I always lose. Ron always wins. I don't gamble a lot, but I'm there. I, I, a tendency to win. Um, but no, he doesn't gamble much. Uh, and no, he doesn't. 
other than like a late night text message, it's like, you know, the road's too bumpy or something crazy is going on in the bus. Like, no, it's nothing like that. But there's no uh, way that Dustin doesn't sit there and count the cards and take the casino for all it's worth. That's <laughs> <laughs> there's, I, we have had oh, plenty of conversations about that in the stock market. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. Um, no, I, I think his uh, he's refined his ways, too. I, he's got a knack for doing and he's definitely obviously we're all here because of his songwriting so he's got a knack for creating some stellar music but also stellar marketing and stellar just the way that he's been able to create this entire universe um so i just i love the fact that once you know you've got something working you just keep refining and if you're able to bring in the right players as you're building this thing and keep refining it and making it more of a well-oiled machine um there's not much that can stop you so yeah like, you know, the obsession is of this it's like yeah it's it is an obsession truly you know i go home and i'm still working so yeah well i mean you're right like we you said in the last part i mean a lot of it fundamentally comes down to the product which in this case is the songs or the songwriting and all the things that are around that you know so i think that's yeah. the hardest part is probably the best advice is you've got to come up with that thing you know first yeah. that's that's really the the foundation of all of it and going yeah. back to rammstein like i i was watching a video that they did for i think it's Ikville, and it came out mm. probably 20 years ago and i when i watched it i was like this looks like something that was made this year you know their and music about videos are, are the greatest yeah but they it's just like you would not even notice that's the thing. I, I I think, again, I really believe that they would be kindred spirits if they met because that's the same way that he, I've been on the calls with directors for music videos. I've listened to the way he approaches certain things with them and he wants to create things that are timeless. Or you need a Deutschland. 20 years. You're like, how in the hell did you make this in 2010 or 2015? And it's, tw you know, 2040. You're like, wait, that was the concept you had for the BMI and the, all the futurist type thought. Like that's, he's always thinking that way so that's the reason why it's such a cool project to be a part of if you want to see the coolest video like ever go watch deutschland by rammstein it's, it's directed by some some Check crazy it guy but it, it's literally like them apologizing for germany for everything that they've done through history oh, wow. but wow. The, the video like if you said it was worth 50 million dollars to shoot this thing i'd be like probably like that's how absolutely Damn. insane the quality of this like in, wow. in fact one of my buddies sat me down and said if you want to see all what all videos are judged by watch that video so yeah they're smart like they have someone out. like dustin yeah. like ah let's go put it all on red at two o'clock in the morning and i would actually recommend video. that you uh check out uh dick a titten which translates to big boobs, and that video is hilarious. <laughs> is that the one that I think Madonna, That's the guy the that like, worked it, like they're they're uber serious, and then they're ridiculous. Yeah. I love that. It's, so it's like the one with all the porn stars in it. I think. Yeah, they're like milking goats, and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's ridiculously ridiculous. God bless oh, Rammstein. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it would what, be what cool to of, see them live. But go ahead. So I was going to ask you, is there anything that you listen to as far as music that's coming out that like interests you or because you're so engrossed in what you're doing that like it's just you're egocentric and just focusing on the machine you're filling the coal with? I, I listen to music that's our direct competition and in the market that we're in and the spaces that we try to be in, uh, whether that be obviously the active rock side of things and then understanding like, okay, what's hitting it all in hip hop and pop and understand like why 
and then I'm not, obviously I'm not the songwriter here, but like, I still like to understand like why is certain things successful and what trend is going that direction. I unfortunately have TikTok to understand those trends too, which I can't stand the app, but there we are. That's where not a lot a of fan, music gets yeah. experienced and consumed. Yeah, you have a very diverse taste in music because always when we're getting ready, especially for the big shows, Ron is like DJing our playlist backstage. (laughs) And you never know what you're going to get. It could be like total funk one day and then it's like hip hop. And then, I mean, you never know. You, you, Mm -hmm. You have a good playlist of music. But yeah, it depends on the day. What's Ron's mood? <laughs> you gotta, you, so that's like a psychology experience, Siobhan. Experiment. Like I, yeah. I know that everybody's, we get like, we're doing like seven in a row and everyone's kind of like, this is a, it's not like, you're not pumped to do it, but you're also like in the machine. Like, okay, we're going to do this. Here we go. Um, it's good to just get a speaker in the dressing room or wherever we are on the bus and sure. like get people like amped up and in a better mood. So, um, I started doing that a couple of tours ago and I've noticed it's a, it makes a huge difference for like going into a show. So yeah. Can I, yeah, can I tell true. you a song that I've discovered this year that just makes me happy and I would recommend putting it yeah. on before a show. Check yeah. out my Sharona. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I never, I always thought it was a dumb, dumb song. And then like no, my fiance totally. put it on her list and she's like, try singing along with it. I'm like, Oh my God, these are the greatest lyrics that go like just like the feel of the song. And Music every time solo I hear it from, from the very beginning to the very end of it, it's just like, it makes me smile. That's totally in the wheelhouse of some of the weird stuff I'll play before a show. So, yeah. <laughs> What's a random weird song that you might play before a show that maybe not all of our listeners would know off the top of their head? Yeah, I have a whole playlist. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, I rarely hear a song twice with Ron. Like, his playlist is just endless. Well, like, this is like, right at the top of it is like Billy Ocean, Lionel Richie, but then I've got like Coolio and R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't get the D.I.G. But like, but what? But what? But we were what, listening to like TLC the other day. Like, just feel good. It's it's what, about what Warren G song though. Or a great beat. Uh, Are we talking like Regulators? That one was Regulators. That's another one. I don't know where that is on the playlist, but that one was Regulators. The one I saw. Yep. Um. Um, Oh, yeah. I should just send you this, Benny. This is great. I'll just find, like, I don't don't even know how to say this artist's name. This is like an Italian guy. I shazammed this. Wild Beat by this Italian funk thing, and it's called Incubo by... Oh my god! His first name is Pino. I, it's wild, and it's like this <laughs> the guy's voice is like lower than Barry White, and it's an amazing bass riff, and it's just like this. It's just so weird. Um, but yeah, I'll just I just throw that on playlists, and you know, every day is an adventure finding the next weird song to listen to. So yeah, well, speaking speaking of finding music, maybe you have a better perspective on this than I do. But in your opinion, just from knowing some of the behind the scenes of how people are consuming music, where do you think people are really finding music now? Because I think maybe a lot of bands that are trying to put a product out there, they don't know whether to focus on YouTube or whether it's streaming or like some alternate source. Like if you had to put it in one direction, where do you think most people are discovering their music? It's tough because it, your question's loaded. Because if it's a right. band, if it's a aspiring artist or, or aspiring artist or an already you know known artist, there's two answers there. Um, if it's trying to see if your song will click with anyone, that's a different answer too. Mm-hmm. Um, you okay? So for the aspiring artist, 
it's kind of similar to just seeing if your song will connect. Um, hell, you put it everywhere. Uh, I think YouTube is massive if you have the right content or you can just playlist it. You gotta find a way to have it played on, in front of people. So, and Dustin did an amazing job in the early days of trying to find, um, it was Call of Duty montages and gamers that would just take the music and say, here you go, before the label, he was like, Gratis licensing, here you go, use this song and um, have them listen to it. And and you, I'm sorry, utilize it for your montage, you can use That's it. a great idea for Lost Symphony, guys. Because we're uh, yeah, totally video game a, music. I had ulterior motives. I'm like, what if the Lost <laughs> Symphony were trying to get people to listen? <laughs> so YouTube is one. TikTok is another. I just don't know if TikTok is... I don't, we've been hearing this from other labels and, and parties that we're involved with on this recent single and, and other places where like, I have my doubts, but I also can understand that this, it, it absolutely is powerful for, and we saw a wave during COVID, the 2020 TikTok anthems, if you will, they were massive. I mean, all of them are multi-platinum songs now because they just got played so many freaking times and everyone knew them. And now that there's like a certain sect of it and it's just because of content creators reusing that small piece of and everyone wants to know what that song is. Um, if you've got a hook and it's that popular and you find a viral, a virality effect of it to be put with absolutely TikTok. Uh, there's no reason why not to try it. Uh, if you're in, that's for the aspiring or the person that is trying to figure out their songs and connect. I'm not quite sure if you are just a, a already that it's easy to penetrate TikTok without unless you can get a really good creative team to be able to build content specifically for TikTok and then utilize your songs for it. Or you have some totally offshoot song that connects with a TikTok audience. Um, Shazam's still massive. Pandora is actually bigger than I thought just by looking at some of these numbers. Those two are still great ways that they're people actually discovering. Um, I, I think the answer is really not one. It's all. I think sure. if, if, you're at the, if you're at a level where you don't really know what your audience is going to be. Now, if you know your defined audience, like we do, um, I know exactly where we need to go to continue to get the right people involved. But our goal, like everyone else's, is to grab more. So right. we try the auxiliary things like TikTok and some of the things that are maybe left and right of center from what we are used to having our people consume them for in, in an effort to really grow the base. Right. And well, clearly there's an art to knowing how to pair it or, you know, present it for each different platform, you know, like certain Absolutely. things. Absolutely. And that's sure. something you got to keep up on. Twitch is also a brand new thing. Uh, not brand new in terms of the when it was born, but it's uh, it's still being ironed out in music. But Twitch is basically that early day when Dustin was kind of working with us and curating uh, songs to the, uh, the content creators. Now Twitch is like literally that concept. We need music for our video game or whatever, even just the podcast piece of it. They just haven't really done a good job with your labels and other parties to really get it fully online to make sure artists get credit for it, which is why a lot of copyright striking happens still. There's going to be a whole new frontier when that happens. And when it actually is connecting, finally, um, I would, you guys have pretty epic music. I would use that. I'd leverage that like crazy. And at that point, and this is maybe a conversation offline, but like, sure, yeah. if you figure out what it is that uh, um, the ownership rights and how and what you can do, you may have more freedom to be able to just go into that space right now and just start capitalizing on it. Well, a lot of our hands are tied. 
just because of the agreements we have. So Right. Right. No, but that's that's amazing. And of course, as you mentioned, knowing your audience or where it resonates or who's listening. I mean, having that data, too, is important because you probably know what platforms those people are using or, you know, where they're most likely to consume something, I would imagine. So it's it's kind of the pairing of the both. both Well, the fun thing with Lost Symphony is that Scott has wasted seven figures on us. So we actually have um, pretty there's a good brand awareness. Like people are aware of us. We've been in every fucking uh, publication. We have all kinds of, you know, famous people we're associated with. We're just literally the stupidest when it comes to business. And I I have probably 10 albums worth of material sitting on my computer, almost done that Mariko has probably played on already. Um, (laughs) So it's just a matter of finding someone like yourself to, you know, maybe manage us or guide us with all the stuff that we have now that we've established and be like, here's how you should make some money because you're dumb dumb because we have no path to revenue. We have I a path to unemployment. The way I see a lot of like, um, I mean, you guys are talented. There's no doubt about it. So the, the, the way I see music, there's a place for every piece of it. It's just about finding what that is. It's a huge puzzle and you got to figure out where some of these pieces fall in. And like we talked about, I think on the last episode, like you just don't know what, is, what interaction or what conversation or what random idea that you put your music into might change your entire dynamic of what is about to happen. Yeah, so you're saying we should do literally anything because right now we're doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> no, well, I, I would, you still need to be strategic, but I think there needs, I think you just, you got to like really have a bigger brainstorming session as to where you think this might live. Is your and, and are you the bigger, bigger brain? Your physic, you're metaphorically speaking of the bigger brain. Like you said, you know, you have to have a bigger brain around this. No, he's saying so, a brainstorming yeah. session. Yeah. yeah, I was saying, but maybe yeah. he's the bigger brain. Probably. <laughs> he's yeah, cr- was, he I, looks kind of like Krang from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> he's a guy. Yeah, that's just a body holding. <laughs> yeah, Wrong. that would actually be kind of. It, it's awesome yeah. if I could just like take my brain and then I'm just a machine for the rest of my life. <laughs> Is that like <laughs> Dustin Shredder? <laughs> he's definitely the brain so we're definitely <laughs> we're gonna, more the brain than that yeah, yeah we're gonna definitely pick your brain and we're gonna talk but you know for uh you know to, to give a little more info for our listeners and, and viewers maybe a more broad take on some approaches that uh are kind of the fundamentals uh, you know, you know star set is such a you know this like crazy machine at this point but if you were if you were to break down you know the the ideas that it takes to build something up from the ground like if you you know like like the the bullet points uh, per se of like what what a band or business really needs to focus on if they're in a space where they're maybe just kind of without direction at the moment or or confused as to how to get to that next step well i know for a fact i'm not going to take the credit for the early years dustin was in this 10 years prior to me. And at the time I was a friend listening, like I said on the last episode, listening to what was good, what wasn't, and just giving my honest feedback. And that's how we ended up, ended up, you know, partnering and working together. But, um, man, he, he's definitely a great one to ask about like missteps, lessons learned. He was doing basically anything to get in front of people. And that's why I watched it. And I was like, wow, this guy's like super passionate about this. Um, from my own perspective, I can comment on like what I saw him do that made this more of a successful thing. And, um, it was refinement too, at that time. I mean, he was, he was doing a lot of, um, well at the time and the, the industry changed too. So at the time he was doing a lot of, uh, showcasing and big labels would come out and see the band that he had built in a capacity that could be 
uh, okay, how do we put this on the road? It's not really a touring thing yet, but he, here's his singles. Here's the, how they're presenting themselves. And that was a huge way to try to get industry known. Um, but he was, he was pretty intelligent at the time with the YouTube side of things and trying to understand it held MySpace was huge at that point. Um, just trying to find any way to get a larger swath of people to listen. Um, now, um, man, I, it's crazy. If you were to try to start now, the technology has evolved so well that like there's it, everything's turnkey. I mean, from the distribution to the, marketing and like you so many ways to be virally listened to and manage it yourself with TuneCore or whatever it is that you might be able to put yourself out on. I mean, look what Post Malone did. I mean, that stuff didn't just, it just, he's like, ah, I'm just going to release this on SoundCloud, at least the initial side of it. Like that's pretty crazy that you can just do that. Um, I wish that existed years ago. Maybe, maybe he didn't need to go so much, Dustin didn't need to go so much, too much uh, turmoil trying to get things released <laughs> at the time, but maybe there's a couple of pieces that might be easier answered. Um, are you talking about it from a song perspective? I'm talking, I'm even more yeah. general than that, I guess, just as right. a business or a, an endeavor, uh, you know, a person that's, that's trying to get an idea and, and, you know, make it a reality, but maybe like, you know, that's, there's so many, um, directions you can go like if you were to try to get someone to focus their uh attention on a way to at least push forward again back to the brainstorming thing write this down whiteboard it if you have to like go through it in every possible way and then sleep on it and do it again and do it again because uh, odds are and i this is something i learned very early on especially with some of the cooler friends that i had someone thought of it I remember there was a day, it's so funny, and it's just stupid because and Dustin would Dustin tells me a story about how he thought of Facebook before Facebook, which is so funny. <laughs> like, but I'm sure that there's probably thousands of people that did, right? Um, I thought of the same thing. I was like gun ho and thought for sure that I had it because I was like telling my friends, I need to find a way to sublet rooms in my house. And I was on tour. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm bleeding rent. I'm bleeding all this. Like, why? there are people in this country or in this, in my city that just want to crash for a couple of nights. How do I do this? I'm like, oh, wait, I'll just build an app. We'll say that I have these rooms open. And then what happened? Like six months later, Airbnb went through the roof. And I just, I mean, I, at the time it was already being built, of course. I mean, but somebody had sent me an article and they're like, look at this. And like Jared Leto was investing to it. And it's like, shit. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you, you just, if you have a good idea, odds are it's probably, it's probably a good idea uh, if you've got half a brain to make things happen, but you, you have to just go down the path of like second guessing every single thing that could go wrong uh, with it. Um, as far as like when it applies to music, man, it's just such a tougher industry. <laughs> entrepreneurial stuff that's hard then you apply the music industry on top of it and man like um i give kudos to dustin for being able to try it twice and actually get a couple swings at it and make it happen but, well that goes to the point of just uh you know tenacity and and not lot like letting failure slow you down letting it kind of yeah. redirect you that's true yes very much so i know there's plenty of people and plenty of bands for that matter that have been at it for years. I think if I remember reading about it, like Brandon Boyd and Incubus had been at it forever before they had actually caught that crazy wind. And when everyone eventually heard of them and morning view took off after that, it was just wild, but 
there's plenty of failure that has to come from that and plenty of lessons learned of like what not to do. Um, I don't know. I, I think if you're in it and you know, you can do it. Um, failure is just not an option, but like you said, Corey, learning from each failure. So that's so general though. <laughs> it's not like I'm giving you like keys here, but like it's, no, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's just a matter of taking that and applying it to your own situation. I think that sometimes just being reminded that there's a lot of people that are very successful and you look at them and you go, wow, I wish I could do that. But you know, you got to remember that totally there was can. a, there was a, a yeah. path to get there that maybe yeah. had you seen that you wouldn't be so, you know, some people, yeah, some people yeah. just don't have that in them and you certainly don't want to go down. Um, there's an ugly path too. Like sometimes you have to, I use Dustin a lot for this example, but like he was a guy on my couch for a little while. And like, that's not like a proud moment, but like he above anyone else that I've really come into. And that's why I've worked with this guy, but like he dug crazy deep to just try and find what it was that he was searching for. Um, it was cool to help. It was cool to be a part of it. But like, those are the kind of people if you see them doing it, you're like, Oh shit. Like that's, special here and uh i see it in a lot of like everyone else that we're associated with like you just you have it and you to dig deeper and just keep pushing um, let me ask you let me ask you this when when you two put all their their album on a bunch of people's iphones did dustin walk in the room and go spit out his coffee and be like i fucking thought of that first Brock hates that. He keeps trying to delete it, and it keeps coming back. <laughs> didn't they just? Didn't they just issue an they apology? The apology? Yeah. 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 Really? yeah. 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 Bono, like ten years later, just apologized for that happening because a lot of people didn't want the U two record. You know, um, but I feel like I feel that like- was a very that was a very unique time in music delivery and consumption where they just were like the top of it and were able to influence. Like no one thought that it was about to be like the iTunes effect. And then all of a sudden everyone has this annoying U2 record. Like who they did, they thought were like, Oh, this would be a great marketing thing. And then people add more music to their iTunes. I was the guy that didn't use it. And I had U2 on my phone for five years. I'm like, why the hell do I have this record on my phone? But you know, unintended. Can I tell you that this is why I use a galaxy? Oh yeah. You totally everyone thinks I'm crazy. People like you are the reason we have to use WhatsApp on tour instead of just iMessage. That's actually true. Shannon Larkin tried calling Corey and I, and, and we had to use what's up. What's up? What's up? What's up? Whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a four non-blonde song or something. What's, yeah. What's up? What's up with Ramstein? I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's actually, that's kind of a, a, a funny uh, concept. Are there any other like marketing faux pas that, that you can think of uh, that mm. you've come across where you're like, ah, why'd they, why'd they do that? Well, I mean, I think that's also, that goes in, if we're talking about music, like you got to think long and hard about what kind of band you want to be sometimes. Uh, not just marketing, but like, do you write that one song that might change the whole entire perception of your band? You well, can- okay. So I think you're, you're paralleling something right now because as many of you probably know, Blink-182 is back together mm-hmm. with Tom. And yeah. I feel like he had to go and, and prove to the government that aliens exist, penetrate the NSA, become, yeah. write a bunch of books that are 600 plus pages long, become esteemed and understanding in, in, uh, the outside world, and then go back to what's my, what's my age again. Mm. It's good. It's, I bet you Dustin would have a lot in common with Tom. Maybe. 
Yeah. I, I will say that they are yet another example of a massive exodus. And I, I'm mean, that one. I just knew I was just calling it. I'm like some point it's going to come back and it's going to be a crazy stadium tour. I hope it doesn't implode. I hope it's amazing. Cause like that would be, it's just going to be cool to see a nostalgic thing for me. I was like formative. So it is going to be cool to watch. Um, but again, like marketing is, uh, you can write a song that will make a huge splash. It can blow up, but it can be an unintended change to your entire project's focus. It may not be hard rock or it may not be in- like the Goo Goo Dolls when they came out with name and they had like we were a punk band and then that dude decided to work on the cleft in his chin more than he worked on like the hard rock tunes and now if you go see um, them they just do like a two hour like acoustic set that everyone like leaves for was, was that an intended consequences a consequence or unintended like did he I, I don't know I don't know the guys but like god what a, dizzy up the girl changed the entire dynamic of what that band was and then now i mean you can't not think of that band and think of slide and black balloon and all so, you know it's that's who they are but maybe maybe benny maybe they wanted to be a punk band <laughs> they were a punk band Ron. but maybe they but maybe they wanted to continue to be a punk band i, I don't know right yeah uh, yeah i i liked their first record too but you know so we were just talking about the the Blink One Eighty Two tour, and, and you know, you, you, are you going? You mentioned like that was something you're excited to see. Is that? Something? I wish I could. Uh, my girlfriend really wants tickets. She's a huge Blink fan. So um, speaking of tickets, but fi- but that's, finding tickets is exactly like, that's that's a huge huge story right now. Is is the whole yeah. debacle about the dynamic pricing with Ticketmaster and how you know it's really in an, a supposed effort to stop scalping. Now Ticketmaster is yeah. just you know you know scalping, scalping. their own tickets. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's a racket. Uh, so I guess, and being Starset, having such like a good connection with your fans and doing these these smaller, more intimate events, like how how much does that kind of side of the business, you know, get get into the back of your mind when you're putting together stuff? Like, are you are you cognizant that you know of the what's going on with the fans and the money that they're spending? Yeah, like I would like to say that um, Dustin and I have ever given the opportunity where we were able to do anything close to what blink rated you can do if ever given that opportunity i would i'm not going to say it's a guarantee but i would love to disrupt that whole thing i would like to see a way that we can i think i think Grohl dave Grohl said some things about this i think muse tried um coldplay definitely did um Pearl Jam did like, back in the '90s. That's right. That's right. Um, so there's been pl- plenty of people to try and like disrupt the machine that is Ticketmaster Live Nation and all the big, you know, the big things that have been control over the fees and how it's being structured. Unfortunately, it's a pretty big machine. They have a lot of ownership of every venue. They have a lot of prior contracts with the workers in each of these rooms, and it's not the easiest thing to do. But I think it's cool that if you are the one that commands the demand and commands the people to be the butts in those seats, I think it's cool to try and disrupt it um, to a point where it helps everybody. I'm not trying to say like, screw the promoters, screw the rooms. No, I think everyone, there should be an equitable, equitable take to it. But the barest thing that should come back to is the fans shouldn't be having to try and see you for, what is it like, how are they eight? 
thousand dollars now, like eight hundred. Oh my gosh! Like that. yeah. Well, then, the and then Tom, Tom, the my, the guy who found out about aliens, um, said he tried to buy two tickets to his own show, and then he did, and they were super expensive, and then they disappeared out of his Ticketmaster wallet. That was an actual oh, thing. Saw, yeah, yeah bu- I think Mark was talking about that. That's right. A bunch yeah. of stuff just dis- people were buying tickets, and they just dis- so you not only did you pay these dynamic prices, but then they disappeared. So I think a part of that is. A- I'm not saying Mark or Tom or any of them are a weak understanding of their fan base. They totally understand the demand, but it's maybe a weaker understanding as a whole of how much demand that's like, this is Blink-182 coming back in a time where most of us 30 plus year olds had experienced them and they all have money. So the demand is massive. I don't know if you can satiate that demand. You may just need to book more shows. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like what else what else can you do well I mean that, um, but there's probably bands out there right now like I mean okay so if you're Blink 182 you go and watch like Motley Crue who if you go see them live it's like a, I see I've seen videos from this tour and it's a joke watching 40,000 people literally singing along with this band you're like wow they are so so bad it's a giant joke and then they just announced that wow. they're touring again because of all these tours they're actually putting more people in seats than yeah, any other get, tour they got John 5 now too so they're gonna and sound now they better they have John 5 that's right. yeah that's so right. they'll sound that. better because poor Mick Mars needs to hang it up because that poor guy has been like in acute pain since 1981 oh, by the man. way I just want to take a moment to uh, say how on brand you are Ron with the three dots on the side of your head from the sun coming through oh, the yeah. uh, <laughs> This is very. <laughs> this is so crazy. It's like it's all just coming in. Yeah. And they keep getting more. We're going to get a really This is weird. that secret code <laughs> that all the messengers have been waiting for. They're like, wait, it's really happening. It's actually just the brewery shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I've done laundry this tour? You know, I'm just rolling in any. It's like in Indiana Jones. All you, need, all you need to do is hold out the piece to the, to, the, to the sun, and then it'll go through it and show you right where the treasure is. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It, it really, actually, I love the, I love the conversation about ticket sales because I would, God, it'd be cool to disrupt things. It'd be cool to disrupt it in a way like Dustin and I talked about it before. Just trying to like find ways to, to truly command people in every city where we don't even announce the cities. We just, oh, I'm sorry, we announce the cities. We don't announce the routing, and it's literally like, all right, who's coming? And then we watch the sales, and then we then say, all right. This, these cities won. It'd be awesome to do something like that. Or yeah, it'd be it's cool like to, it's like it's like a, a Tinder for like a yeah. matchmaking for mm-hmm. concert yeah. routing. That's interesting. It'd, it'd be cool to do it like that. It'd be cool to do it in a way that's uh, almost like you have the access to say. And I don't want to give too much of it away because it's truly no, no, like, yeah, yeah. but yeah. like you have you have the ability to basically show your value before you're even presented an offer. Um, there's just so many ways to think about it. And we've truly spent hours talking about this. Um, but you, again, um, it's kind of, it's second to growing this project and making it truly a value in which we could do something like that. It'd be so cool to do it because that's, that's all data driven and understanding analytics and understanding your fan base. And well, that's, that's the biggest thing about star set is knowing that there's always something around the corner. So your fans yeah. like they're, they're always anticipating it's not, you know, there's a lot of bands out there and, you know, bands that I've listened to my entire life and it's just, but they're just, they're the music coming out of the speakers and I love the music and it's great, but there's something about Star Set where it's like, oh shit, like 
they just they just posted this like kind of cryptic thing like what the hell's coming what's next and then you you know that there's going to be something that'll subvert your expectations there'll be something new so there's almost like that you know you guys have the cinematic rock element of the music but there is like a cinematic universe of like ideas that are always like oh shit like what's gonna happen is there a post-credit scene coming up what the hell i'm I'm looking for clues here it's just about being around the right creative people and to his credit and to everyone else that's around uh, Dustin, I think there's just a, uh, it's just a cool, um, cool group of people to be in. And, and now we've got people like Siobhan and Z who are like creative in their own right. Um, it's, it just, uh, don't hire stale people. yeah Yeah. no it's it's true it's it's fun even you know as someone that isn't making a lot of the decisions it's really cool to be around like i'm always blown away by some of the ideas or things that i even notice when i come back on another tour i'm like oh my gosh like just next level (laughs) this tour is actually pretty unique with the ticket sales though because we've been able to command it on our own we've built a there's a platform completely on our own and we this is a second this is a secondary thing. There is no big ticketing system or anything like that. And mm-hmm. it's all very much uh, DIY. So in a way, this is like the disruptive thing, but at a super micro scale. So. Yeah, yeah. But just think about the amount of money that you're circumventing going to other people's hands and doing it all yourself. I mean, it's pretty liberating. So, you know, there was a point where you had to get signed to a record label and they had to give you money and get you on TV and radio and all. And now everything between YouTube, between everything online, you can do it more DIY. And to think yeah. that you can do some of these things at such a granular level, DIY down to like, hey, I'm going to use Eventbrite or whatever and, and circumvent all these huge fees and like be yeah. much more direct with our client and have all capture their information. That's wild, yeah. dude. Yeah, I would, that's why I would encourage any aspiring or yet unsigned type artist to realize that you have like literally the world is at your fingertips. Just read and, and pay close attention to what people might put on your desk as ter- in terms of signing it and know that most of this can be done yourself. I'm not saying that every artist is capable of self-managing or every artist is capable of like being a their self agent or whatever it may be, but there's plenty of technology out there that will allow you to offset some of the things that were just done in the nineties, because that's just the way it was. It's just not like that anymore. Right. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, I I guess it does come back to kind of like thinking of it like dating, you know, it's inefficient to have anyone else involved. Right. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's a matter of like connecting the band or the the creator of the music with the people that are consuming it directly and eliminating to the best you know possible way all the extra well, well you know we got you in the band along with it we got you in the band just to get to ron so mission accomplished <laughs> i would hope you not. laugh but that's oh no i've been saying this for a while i'm like oh we should just get the guy that like comes up with these awesome ideas and I just find out the at bus. the end of my life that like i've just been duped the whole time like everyone's <laughs> just that, like you were just a means like, to uh, an end the 200 year old violin that sounds amazing what are you talking about <laughs> well do you not realize that we've that we've slowly taken all your pieces and put them into our songs and your leftovers like mariko and then taken z like she's become friends oh, we become friendlier every single time that you guys come around and eventually the, your band will just be players, our band the string we're symbiotic are they are mercenaries <laughs> mercenaries yes they i cannot control what happens with them and they are fantastic at that so keep it up the girl is gonna take over the world she'll be president next that we know <laughs> it's it, yes her in that white 
crazy cello. She's just going to walk up to the White House. I love it. With yeah. her bunny uh, rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> she'll just have it under one arm, and then she'll have the cello over her back, and she'll just be walking to just be a silhouette. You know, this USA comes back to the 2044. Don't, don't hire boring people. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you got to have characters. I, Siobhan, I mean, you probably could say this. If any boring person that's been in our camp, they did not last long. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's very true. They've always been characters. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the takeaway from from anything <laughs> and, and from uh, the last couple episodes here for sure. And, and, and all the previous star set episodes that have had, make sure you guys go back and check them out. Uh, we'll put links below uh, for all you star set messenger uh, people if you want to go back and hear all the knowledge and wisdom that's been dropped in Ron's previous episodes and all the other ones we've had. Um, Make sure you check out StarsetOnline.com for tour dates and all that fun stuff, and keep an eye out for whatever the hell else Ron and Dustin are con- concocting to, to come your way. <laughs> yeah, um, I have a question about that. What other big band besides Breaking Benjamin are you gonna get with next? Is it gonna be like Lady Gaga featuring Starset, or is it Starset featuring Lady Gaga? We get this question every day at the acoustic every shows. Every single day. Every what day. Is, and, and so Dustin says this, and I, I do believe that it's dated. His response is a little bit dated because was a big thing and maybe it still is maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong maybe it's not dated but it was a big thing that i noticed that where people were collabing like crazy it was just non-stop collapse um i don't know if that's necessarily the case now or maybe it truly is and it's just a product of creation not a lot of ability to like originally create so you need to go and leverage bigger names to try and like leapfrog yourself up to the top the ben thing was dustin will answer this it, it, it was very organic because ben was a super fan like right from the onset so it was like almost impossible not to do this it was super cool for him to be able to work with dustin on that and that was awesome to watch um but as siobhan was probably going to say uh and dustin answers that i honestly would rather probably not have any unless it was just like epically huge and so crazy that it was going to just move the needle. Hans clearly. Zimmer featuring Starset. Yeah. No, yeah. That, would be rad. <laughs> that would be sick. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I think it's its own entity as Dustin usually answers at these shows. And he calls it insular. Can I ask you, what's your clout like in Minnesota? Good. Well, Prince was in oh. Minnesota. And if you can penetrate some of his, like, I know he has albums and albums on release stuff. I think Starset featuring Prince might be a really, I, I know Dustin can fucking make his way like to those tapes. That would be a wild pairing. Like Prince from the grave? Oh, he's got like 30 albums of unreleased, more yeah. than that, 100 albums yeah. of unreleased yeah. material. Just find a song he did, had, put all your music behind it, and then there you go. You got a star set go. song Brilliant with Prince. marketing sort of, from Ben to you. Some sort of I, funky, funky space thing going on. All right, all right, I dig it. He, definitely, that, had the co- yeah. he definitely had the costuming, and the, yeah, I, I'll give you that. I mean, the same for sure. mindset works yeah. with Tupac Shakur. He also had like four Machiavelli records that he didn't release, so it's not beyond the scope of reason to get a whole verse from him. My, my, one of my one of my guys that I work work out with, my coach actually, he will always to this day yell at me that it was like we need to do some sort of weird Tupac collaboration. And I'm just like, dude, I don't know how that fits, but sure, amazing. But <laughs> Benny, you're the second person in my life's ever told me that. So congratulations! It's written congratulations. in the stars. Yeah, and on that weird ass <laughs> note. Uh, Thank you, guys. Ron, thank you for hanging with us, uh, as always. Thank you, uh, guys. We hope that the rest of the tour goes well. I think when this comes out, the tour may be over, but uh, either way, there'll be more coming up. So make sure What you a great tour that was. Hopefully yeah. it went well. That was what great. a beautiful <laughs> tour. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I appreciate Thanks so it. Much, Ron. It a pleasure. And awesome we definitely look you. forward to speaking you 
uh, speaking to you offline because I mean Let's I truly it. think that you could take us somewhere. I believe in you. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, guys, check out two zero two zero dash d dot com, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 140, featuring Corey Lowry of Seether. Check it out. It's, you know, like, here's what, here's what I do know as a producer. The ear, the average ear, can only hear three things at the same time. And I spent, I don't know, I've written about 10,000 songs with about 10 billion notes per song so I know what those songs do and it's fun there's a genre for that um, but I think a lot of things have happened during the musical history of uh, what pop's done uh, rap's done country started it probably of simplistic there's, there's a beauty in simplistic simplistic music's very very hard to write a hit for it's not as easy as if it was, everyone would just do it. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map from Fallout Boy to Slayer. Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.